Some of you got that video on your phone this morning because you can't see it if you sit back there. And uh, hopefully you get the thrust of what we've been talking about. We started talking about really three Sundays ago with a Christian ambition. And then last Sunday, looking at Acts 13, 22, uh, and David's uh, being a man after God's own heart. And really that's what we want to focus on through this entire year, especially the first months of the year as we focus on David and his personal passion from God. So how is it that we can become uh, a church after God's own heart? If that's our goal, how can that happen here? Well, it happens as I adjust my heart and you adjust your heart. Each of us shifts our heart so that the focus of our heart uh, has as its passion being what God wants us to be and who God wants us to be. Very quickly, I want to show you first that this is the passion of God's heart for you. This is not just a pastor's sermon or a, a, a pastor's theme for a new year. It is the passion of God's heart for you. During the reign of Saul, uh, Samuel approached Saul because Saul had become something less than a man after God's own heart. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, Samuel said to Saul, But now your kingdom shall not endure, for the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him to be a ruler over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So what I want you to see is that in those days, the Lord sought out such a person. He looked for him. He still does. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, by the way, we have a main text that will be on the screen for you in just a little bit, but these are just some verses that I want to use for emphasis. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the Lord told Asa, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he may strongly support the heart of those who, who, who is completely his. So as the eye of the Lord roams the membership of our church, uh, does he find you to be a person after his heart? That is the passion of God's heart for you. Not only is it the passion of God's heart for you, but it is the thrust of the whole scripture. Let me share with you in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, the Lord speaks to his people and he says, Oh, that they would have such a heart in them, that they would always fear me and keep my commandments, that it would be well with them and their children forever. All the blessings of God hinge on you being the person that God wants you to be. This is the thrust of Scripture. Uh, last week as we looked at Acts chapter 13, verse 22, where Paul describes David as a man after God's own heart, he said of David, he is a man who will do all my will. And so that's the plumb line that every one of us has to drop down beside our lives as we look at our lives and as the Lord looks at us, am I a person who's willing to be and to do all that God is commanding me. Uh, what we're talking about is nothing less than what Jesus called the first and greatest commandment. 
is found first in Deuteronomy chapter five, 6, verse 5, where the Bible says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So I'm just telling you that God seeks out men and women, boys and girls, who will be people after his heart. Uh, we go back to Acts chapter 13, verse 22, where God said, I have found David, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. My wife asked me some years ago, we were driving down the road, and she said to me, how is it that God could call David a man after his heart, after David had done all that he did? Well, I thought about that, and I answered her, and, and I will answer you in the same way. David was a man. The thrust of his life, the passion of his heart, the aim of his heart was to be a man who was pleasing to God. He aimed for God's heart, but sometimes he missed. And the truth of the matter is, so do we. But if you don't aim at something, you'll never hit anything. And so David aimed to be the man God wanted him to be. That was the goal David set for his life. That was the passion of David's heart. And so perhaps at one time it was the passion of your heart. You might could say earlier in my life when I was much younger, I had a desire to be all that God wanted me to be and to do all that God wanted me to do. And then the focus of my heart shifted. And that's really what happens. You wanted to be a person after God's own heart, and you became something less than that, and perhaps you still are. The focus of a pers person's heart shifts here, and the focus of a person's heart shifts over there, one after another in a church until the, the whole church, the heart of the whole church shifts so that the church itself is no longer a church after his heart. But the good news is, that if individuals in that church, if you and I can admit that our heart has shifted and that we need to adjust the focus of our lives so that we can again become a people after his heart, if one person shifts their heart here and another person shifts their heart there, then the thrust of the entire church will again be that we will be a people after his heart. This morning I want to spend the last few minutes of my time talking to you about the passion of David's early years. If that the sermon had a title, that's what it would be, the passion of his early years. I'm going to outline, hopefully I can remember what I'm going to do the next few weeks. Next Sunday's going to be the problems of his middle years and then the pitfall of his later years, and it'll go like that. So we're going to be looking a little bit at the life of David, looking at how he was a man after God's own heart, looking at how he became something less. And then in the month of February, I'm going to give you a piece of material that's going to lead you from February the 24th to Easter Sunday. It's entitled, When a Man After, When a Person After God's Own Heart Becomes Something Less. And it's, it's, a, it's a devotional, a 40-day devotional on how to move from ruin to restoration. And we'll, it'll be based on Psalm 51. And that's exactly the psalm, the prayer that David prayed that brought his life back into focus.
But this morning we're going to look at our main scripture is going to be from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. The key verse will be on the screen, verse 18, and the message will come from it. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that is David, in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you, that he shall play the harp with his hand, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. And here is our main text. Then one of the young men said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. What we see here in this one verse is we have a glimpse of David through the eyes of others. This is how other people saw him in, in the passion of his early years, this time of his commitment to God. So first we want to consider David's countenance, his countenance. The Bible says you young girls would be interested in him. He was probably a teenager at the time. Cammie's just got her mind focused on what David must have looked like. Cammie, the Bible says that he was a handsome man. He was, he was, he was, he was formed and shapely. That's what the Bible has to say about him. But there was something else about David that, that was different about him. Samuel noted when he came in from herding the sheep that he had beautiful eyes. And I'm sure that uh, one of you other girls might be interested to know that like, like Jason over here, beautiful eyes, beautiful eyes. Now we can look over here and we can't find anybody shapely, comely in form. But we can, we can look in some other places and we can. We can find somebody who knows how to play the harp. But uh, anyway, David was not good looking to girls. That's not what this passage says. David was good looking to men. There was something about David, not his outward looks, but there was something about David's countenance that attracted other men to him. And I suggest to you that it was two things. The first thing was that David was a man who spent time with God. You remember that when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and he came back down, that he glowed with God's presence. I'm not suggesting to you that David glowed at all. But I am suggesting that David was a man like Peter, James, and John, who when people saw them, they recognized they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they did perceive that they had been with Jesus. They had spent time in the presence of the Lord. And men recognized David as a man who spent time with God. Not only so, men saw in David, in his face, a calm confidence that reflected a clear-eyed vision of his purpose and a strong faith in God. He knew who he was. And others knew who he was. Later in his life, 
in years, years later, the Bible says that a lot of downhearted people who were depressed, discouraged, they'd been through some hard times, they all gathered to David. They were just drawn to him. And, the, and some of these were big, strong, mighty men, and they were committed to David for the rest of their lives. The Bible also says here that his countenance, uh, you know, the way a man carries himself, the way a man talks, that he, he was prudent in speech. Even his conversation reflected the presence of God in his life. Something about David's countenance made men draw to him. Second, we look at David's courage. Uh, David had sent in no job application to play uh, for Saul. All he did and all he had ever done was simply faithfully tend his father's sheep. He just did what his daddy asked him to do, and he did it well. Perhaps this messenger who had observed David's life saw some brilliant act of bravery as David shepherded those sheep, as later he would tell Saul when he did apply for the job of fighting Goliath. He mentioned the fact that he had fought a bear and fought a lion and delivered the flock from the mouth of the lion and the bear. So the, the Bible describes him here as a man of fighting. The simple In the simple matter of tending his father's sheep, David proved himself to be a man of valor. That means he was a man of boldness and tremendous courage. Men see that in other men. Men know that in other men. A man can know a man that he has a yellow streak down his back a mile wide, and they also know if he will step into the middle of any situation without fear. They know bravery and courage when they see it. And when these people looked at David's life, they saw a man of courage. Later, you see it when he applied. He did apply to fight Goliath. But it was not a bravado born of, of just sheer strength or sheer courage. It was born of his own faith. In God, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So he was a man of courage. And for that reason, he drew other men to him. He was not just a man's man. David was. He was God's man. These were the outward marks that people saw in his life that bore some qualities of the inward things that God saw in his life when the Bible said God found David, a man after his heart. Do you have such a countenance marked by spending time in God's presence? Do you have a courage, not in your own strength, but in the strength and power of the God that you serve? Third, we'll consider David's comforting compositions. The messenger called David a skillful musician. We had uh, in here playing in the middle service, we had Tanya Green back playing, and as you know, she can play that piano or the keyboard or whatever it is, and Cole over here can play the guitar like nobody else that I know other than Darwin, I guess, but the word here, the Hebrew word means one knowing strings. He knew how to pluck that harp. He knew how to play that instrument like Rose knows how to play the violin. He was one knowing strings. Now, David wrote music, and he also wrote lyrics to be, to be played to music. 
His, his lyrics are found in the book of Psalms. And in the book of Psalms, if you look at some of them, at the top of them, it'll say, this is to be played to the tune of, and it's to be played on this instrument or that. David wrote those psalms. And, and what David was doing, uh, he was just expressing his own heart to God. Later, the, the songs that he sang, Van has told us before, I've been in classes where Van said they used to play country music for the cows in the dairy barn because the cows just milked better when they were listening to country music. And the sheep slept better when they were listening to David. And David was not just singing to the sheep. He was singing out of his heart to God. And later, when he would go and sing to Saul, there was something about David's music. There was something about David that just calmed his heart. Now, one of the things I want to share with you is these were songs of worship. And a person who is a person after God's heart, that will be reflected in the way that person worships. And a church that is a church after God's heart, that will be reflected in the way we worship. Men hear singing and music. God hears worship and honors worship. The Bible says he seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And out on those long, lonely hillsides, David sang to God, and God heard not only the words, but the worship of his heart. What does God hear when this church worships? Does, when he hears your worship, is it tepid? Is it just lip service? Is it lackluster? Is it heartless? Or does it rise from your heart as a song of true worship to God? When this church becomes a church after God's heart, it will be reflected in our countenance. People will be drawn here because of what they see in you. It will be reflected in our courageous faith. They will see you as a congregation full of men and women of valor. And they will hear it in your worship because worship marks a people who are after his heart. We've come to the end of it all now. And so finally we want to consider David's constant companion. This messenger apparently knew David's family. He knew Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He knew he had eight sons. Now Samuel had met seven of the first ones, and the Lord said, none of these are the guys I'm looking for. But when Samuel came on the scene, when they called him in from herding sheep, when, the, when Samuel saw David, the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. There was just something different about David. And the Bible says from that moment forward, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David mightily. And so when this messenger tells Saul about David, he said, I can tell you this. He's a fine-looking fellow. There's something about his countenance. Not only so... There's something about his courage that makes him different. Not only so, he can play music like you've never heard, but let me tell you one more thing about this David. The Lord is always with him. The Lord was his constant companion. I want to ask you a question. Do, do other people say that about your life? Do they see that reflected in your walk? Do they see that reflected in your work? Is it reflected in your worship? And what of this church, First Baptist Church, what do people say about us? What do they say when they listen on the radio or when they watch our services online or when they visit our church? 
What is the witness of this pulpit? What is the witness of your life? Do, do people say the Lord is with them? If they do not, it is because we are not a people after his heart, because a characteristic of those that are is that the Lord is with them. His spirit rests upon their life. Now, this morning I simply shared with you first that this is the passion of God's heart for you, for you as a man, for you as a young lady, for you children, for those of us who are older. It is the, it is the passion of God's heart that I, to my dying day, live my life as a man after his heart. Not only so, it is the thrust of the entire scripture the first and greatest commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our might. And also that it was the passion of David's heart to be a man after God's own heart. How can this church become a church after his heart? It begins with a commitment that I make in my heart and a commitment that you make in your heart. And it can't come from me telling you and preaching you a sermon. It can't come from me cajoling you or urging you to change your life. It can only come as a call from God. God will speak to you and tell you of the adjustments that you need to make in your life. And he will call you to make such a commitment. And when you make it, and I make it, and enough of us make it, the focus of our heart as a, as a church will shift and we will become a church after his heart. Let's pray.